I personally I wanted to suggest that we do like uh animation type thing for me where it's just my face and then it's like the cutoff and it's just like the bottom part just moving along when I'm talking. You know that would be hilarious. That would be hilarious. If it wasn't a bunch of work. So if you look back at this and realize that you don't enjoy your appearance, we can figure something out. <laughs> That's bullshit. You did not give me that option. <laughs> Hello there, and welcome to Film Safika Podcast. This is the podcast where we get our caffeine fixed by drinking liters upon liters upon liters of coffee. And of course, we talk about movies as well. That's that's an important detail. And today's movie is the um, the sci-fi romance bittersweet film Her by one of our old favorites, actually, on this potty pod. Uh, it's by Spike Jones. So joining me today, of course, we have Mao as always. But um, of course, a very, very, very special guest, Alexis. Welcome to the podcast, Alexis. How are you today? Hi. I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. Yeah, thank you for having me. Sorry, I'm, I'm not good at this. <laughs> no worries. I'm fairly okay. I'm, um, I was tired half an hour ago, but then I had my first cup of coffee, so this is my second. And uh, I think it's going to be a swell, swell episode. Swell is such a specific word. Swell. I've been using it more and more recently. <laughs> it's, it's cool. I personally just finished my uh, cup of peppermint tea while we're uh, just chatting amongst us. And uh, now I'm just drinking water. Gotta stay hydrated. Gotta stay hydrated. I actually downloaded one of those stupid... I mean, I don't necessarily subscribe to health apps per se. Like counting calories Mm. to me is the last thing that I would ever want to do. But just as as an experiment to kind of like check in on what my water intake is uh, i downloaded one of those drink two liters a day apps and you have to click on the little i mean you have different sizes of uh, of cups of water and on an average i drink like more or less two liters of water which was kind of expected but um it was fun as an experiment just to do for a week personally the way i learned that i drink way too much water is i drink water out of these one liter containers and I drink on average four to six of these a day. So why I found out I drink way too much why? water. I don't know. It's just, it's, is it, just is it, it like a bad habit? Because what I usually do is that I have a uh, like half a liter bottle on my table and I fill up my cup as I go about it. But I can see how you oh, continuously sip. I, yes, it's partially that, but also like I've been trying to cut down how much I smoke. I've been t- trying to cut down how much I mm. eat. I've been trying mm. to cut down like everything that's fun to do. All at so once? I'm just substituting for water. Yeah, that's oh. not good. Mm. How are you it's doing? smart. I've only had one cigarette today and hey. it's like three o'clock in the afternoon. I've been awake for since nine something. I'm I'm feeling okay. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty good. Knowing how much you uh, smoked before. Yeah, well, depends, yeah, we used to actually, smoke a lot. <laughs> depends which period of time we're talking about. Because there was a period of time where I smoked uh, almost two packs a day. Oh. So, like, compared to that, yes, I'm not I'm not even smoking anymore. I wouldn't <laughs> qualify as a smoker. 
But uh, lately, I have been able to cut it down for a month to the point where one pack will last me over a week. That's nice. Which is like about two cigarettes a day. Give or take, yeah. Three cigarettes a day, yeah. So one cigarette so far doesn't feel like an accomplishment because Mm -hmm. it's also my normal. But I'm out of cigarettes and I'm trying not to go outside and buy more cigarettes. So what's your... Do you have a set rule that you don't even smoke at parties or are you allowing yourself that one? Well, given That's the, the hard one. Given the quarantine, <laughs> of I course. haven't had to think about that. <laughs> uh, I, my most socializing thing is the fact that I live with my girlfriend. Other than that, it's when um, a friend of ours, actually we all know him, Alejandro, uh, he came by to pick up a knife that I was giving away. That's it. That's all the socializing I've done. Yeah. So I don't have to think about like, oh, am I allowed to smoke? when I go to parties or am I allowed to smoke in the presence of other people who smoke? It just. That's the hard one though. Like realistically speaking, I'm on the same boat as you, right? Like I stopped, I, I pulled back on my smoking, right? Because we, we did smoke a lot. It was insane. But, um, whenever I'm in a party, man, and I like those drinks start hitting, I'm just like, (sighs) I just, I don't know. It's, it's a different scenario. I found myself on a couple of Zoom calls where there was a lot of alcohol consumption going with it. And in those cases, yes, I did want to start drinking more because it's a habit of like smoking when you're drinking. Mm -hmm. I don't think it it matters whether or not there's people around. It's mostly like a personal thing. Like if you're consuming alcohol, you want to drink. Uh, Sorry, if you're consuming alcohol, you want to smoke. Sorry. So, like, this past week, I did a thing where I was re-watching the entire MCU in chronological order. Nice. I'm still not done. Wait, I just oh. started Ant-Man and the Wasp this morning. Oh. And there's, like, that one, and then Endgame, and then uh, Far From Home. No. Yeah, Far From Home. So and then I'm done. So, why? So. Because it's not Cecilia, a great... I mean, it's... Hmm. I, I'm with you there. There's only like a handful of movies that I really wanted to watch. Yeah. And the rest of them I just kinda watch because they're there. Yeah. Like it's it's fillers. Like she she came to me being like, Oh, let's do this. I'm like, uh, sure, okay, fine, let's do that. And then after we started, like I have this mental thing where I can't stop. Like if I start something, I wanna see it to the end. Yeah. So I couldn't stop myself from continuing the the whole thing and I was like, okay. We're stuck with this. Let's just mm. keep on going. Let's try to get this over with. Well, I mean, we did it over a month. Yeah, and that was ooh, that was tough. <laughs> that was a long month. And here's the uh, thing, right? Like, we like or I like the Marvel movies, but yeah, no. If you're trying to just like chug along and like binge watch, or like I'm definitely part of the uh, the superhero exhaustion, if you want to call it that. So it's gonna be interesting now to see where Marvel is continuing. They're definitely slowing down their releases. I'm excited to see what they do and if they're able to get me that are is very tired of superhero films currently actually excited for the next Avengers film or whatever the fuck it might be. Well, it's an interesting... That sk- is actually, like, yeah. Yeah. It's the same with Star Wars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're both franchises. They're both franchises that have reached the point that they were like aiming to get to. I guess they're both this now. It's eh? over. Oh, 100%. <laughs> well, it's the thing, right? Like, realistically speaking, how 
you know, how much is this problem that we're facing? The fact that there are just a little, like there's a few key players within the studio industry. And like, realistically, most of the things that we'll see or that are the big, are the big, like, um, release dates, they're all Disney movies or Disney affiliate. Yeah. Which is also kind of sad. It's sad. And realistically, what scares me more than, you know, lack of creativity or the fact that a lot of these movies are franchises is that because Disney has such a public image and such a family-friendly mm-hmm. image, mm-hmm. That's the part that scares me, that filmmakers won't be able to explore certain topics or explore certain sides of the human condition because of this limitation that Disney has being a family-friendly company, you know? Yeah. Hopefully, they would be able to release these movies under, like, the Fox umbrella of it all. Yeah. But I don't know. And that's really what scares me about it i mean you could make the argument that it's a bigger challenge as a filmmaker but i mean look what they did on disney plus with i think it was splash is that the title of yeah. the film? yeah yeah that was it do you see that one alexis i have not no there's this old tom hanks mermaid film apparently that no one had heard of until it got put on disney plus and there's this scene where you can see like the original uh sequence is there's a little hint of a bum when she is running away from Tom Hanks into the sea and disappears. In the Disney Plus version, it's the shittiest, crappiest, uh, just like copy and paste uh, hair that they put on top of her bum. And it looks like <laughs> a little She bit... has a hairy ass. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like. <laughs> it looks like she has a hairy ass because it's so weird. And it's... But yeah, that's exactly what I mean. <laughs> From the beginning, it was fam- family friendly, I would say. But um, now they had to take it to the next level. And the VFX artists obviously didn't care enough or didn't have enough time. So, yeah. yeah. Also, I feel like uh, the idea of family friendly content can be a very tricky one because like the tiniest big bit of sexual content all of a sudden is not okay. But if you have some of someone's head being blown up that's perfectly fine because well, you have like a, a a monster with a hole in it that's perfectly fine but the moment you see like the crack of the ass or like a little bit too much uh cleavage all of a sudden it's not okay or like the moment you see a man's pelvic area like it just there's so many weird oh just sorry yeah. <laughs> well and i mean especially for you guys right like as europeans that's insane like the the whole like stigma that exists around yeah. nudity over in the U.S. and how because we you see know, dicks like you said, every like, day, people walk around naked here all the time. I mean, look at Eurotrip. <laughs> Eurotrip portrays it perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I was being ironic for the record. Okay. <laughs> Because there are parts of it that are accurate, but like there are other parts where are completely inaccurate. So. <laughs> but yeah, like, oh, something that actually really weirded me out here. I went to a spa and there was absolutely no nudity. Like there was a rule. You're not allowed to be naked. I'm like, not sorry, even under is the this bl- not a spa? Like, no, no, you have to wear swim trunks at all times. You're not allowed mm-hmm. to take them off. Ah. I was like... I understand if you want me to have a towel around my waist, or like if a child walks into me, they don't like accidentally 
you know <laughs> but like i don't see the point and like me not being naked we're all adults here we've all seen a penis before it's not like they're seeing something new not even in the sauna no, no. like there was absolutely no nudity I, it was so because in in europe where i grew up in luxembourg uh we don't have like a 100 percent like nude sauna because like some people are more like reserved really? than other people so there's like separate rooms and one is like an all nude sauna another one is like take your pick whatever you want and the third one is only clothed that's next so level. you have your options like you have the option of going somewhere where you're not going to see anyone naked no one's going to see you naked you have the option of going somewhere where like you don't know you're just rolling the dice maybe you'll <laughs> see someone maybe they'll see you yeah. <laughs> but then you also have the option of going somewhere where everyone's naked everyone's free and like here you don't even get that option you just have to be clothed dude like i love going to the sauna because you have the best conversation just random old guys with their <laughs> their stuff hanging out sitting right there in the sauna you can just chill for like 10 minutes you're gonna talk about everything that is in this world i love those kind of conversations with <laughs> random old guys i've never had a conversation with a random old guy the way I'm imagining it, because like I'm imagining like an 85 year old, yeah, it's all wrinkles, balls are down yeah. to the floor. Kind they of don't thing. care at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're too old to care at that point, you know. Yeah. It's like realistically speaking, you've lived through some shit. You can be <laughs> yeah. naked if you want to, you know. Like that's it. Uh, but like the old, I think like my oldest conversation I've had was like a 50 something year old who gave me a tips on how to advance in life and how to get further in life and stuff like that which was a very deep conversation to have in a sauna when you're sweating mm -hmm. and panting like <laughs> yeah i agree with you it's really <laughs> nice to know how to proceed in life. it's just it's not one of those things you want to do <laughs> so i think we've been going on a little bit too long on that conversation so let's head over <laughs> to the uh, recommendation of the week shall we I'm I'm quite um, interested because I was actually going to bring it up, but I heard that Mao, you have an interesting recommendation of the week. What is it? I do. So my recommendation of the week is a Netflix show that came out some point in May. I think it was the first week of May or something. Um, and it's created by Ryan Murphy, who did Glee and who also created American Horror Story among yeah. Other, I think he also created like American Crime Story. He's been with, producing um, a lot. Of OJ Simpson. Simpson. Um, but the point is, this is his new TV show. It's out on Netflix. Um, all the episodes are out, and it's supposed to be a reimagining of the Golden Age era of Hollywood, or what would have happened if the changes that are happening nowadays within the industry, with the whole Me Too movement and um lgbtq representation had happened you know back in the day um what is it called and i thought it's called hollywood thank you <laughs> <laughs> i got you bro <laughs> it's uh it's called hollywood which as far as titles go i really don't think it's the strongest one but um we'll go with it and i have heard that a lot of people have a problem with the with the show itself. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to be completely honest. I really enjoy the show. That's why it's my recommendation. I think, you know, just as we have spoken about before, Algot, yes, there's a place for 
you know, sad, heavy, depressing movies and weird and all of the stuff. But, you know, I think lately it's hard to run into a movie or a TV show that is okay with not being sad and depressing and dark and twisted and all this other stuff. And, you know, I understand that some people have issues with how certain topics were handled. Okay. It's not, you know, stuff is never perfect. You know, you can't satisfy everyone, but you know, because I was, we, we all are in quarantine, you know, this was nice. It was uplifting. Um, you know this and people who have listened to the podcast enough know that I love golden age Hollywood. I think it's so appealing, mm. even though there was a lot of fucked up shit going on. Mm -hmm. There's something about it. It's like Paris in the twenties. There's something about it, you know, but sure. If I understand hygiene wasn't the best, if but, I understand yeah. it correctly, that's kind of what the show is touching upon though. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's trying to, so, you know, there's, <clears throat> there's a couple of, um, African-American actors, mm. uh, and writers or like characters within the, um, within the story that realistically wouldn't have been given the time of day, um, outside a specific niche within the industry. And the whole point of the series is that they get a shot. They get a shot to make a movie that is not for African-Americans and the actress gets a shot at not playing a slave or the housemaid or something. Um, and I think that's cool. And I think that the point of the show is to tell us, you know, we could do it if we wanted to, people could do it, you know? And I don't know, is it corny and maybe a little bit naive? Sure. Could it have been handled better? Some, some parts. For sure, especially <laughs> the whole like sexual abuse stuff. But okay. Okay. um people like don't take life so seriously. Like it's a show. If you like it, enjoy it. I think it's a fun time. I don't know. I I've never heard of this show before. Uh however, like uh literally yeah, over the span of 24 hours, I got to recommend it twice by two different people. Um, mm. But since I'm not a show watcher, uh, I'm going to watch a trailer, maybe the first episode, and decide then if I'm going to finish it or not. I'm still working on Watchmen, mind you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just a slow watch uh, show watcher, but um, we'll see. It sounds interesting nonetheless. Uh, personally, I've had it on my uh, on my Netflix list for a while. I do want to get into it, but like, I didn't feel like I was in the right mind space to get into it yet. Because mm -hmm. like, I feel like you also need to be in a, in a not in a specific mind space, just in a less sad and depressed and like I've been stuck inside my apartment for the past two months <laughs> mind space. Yeah. Well, and it, here's the thing: I feel like it's a little bit sad that it's so hard for people to be okay or believe in a happy ending. Like how miserable are we as a human species that seeing <laughs> someone in a movie have a happy ending drive us mad? Like it, it drives people mad. And why? Like, what's the problem? How it, I'm getting triggered and I don't need to be triggered in this show. I'm just saying, you know, it's, in, it's enjoyable. And also, I'm a sucker 
for like movies that uh, have to do with the industry uh-huh. or where the characters work within the industry. I think it's awesome <laughs> um, because I'm a fucking I'm a sucker for it. I'm sorry. But uh, yeah. Okay. And I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that currently I haven't been in a mood to watch something that actually to watch something new necessarily, like in a way. I get that. It's like I want to watch the same old shit like that just I know is going to make me feel like 10% better for yeah. the next 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Like a comfort that comes from it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But the same thing that you would get as a child when your parent rereads you a story that they've already read you. It's like it's just that comfort of knowing there's no surprises. There's nothing that's going to surprise you. Just it is what it is. It's going to get you to sleep. And that's that's what you need right now. Mm. What's your recommendation, Algan? Um, well, it's nothing new, but it's the first time that I saw this movie, and it is Wes Anderson, which uh, both I and Math, both me and Mao are a big fan of. Uh, I know for sure. I I would assume that you are not as big of a fan of Wes, are you, Alexis? Yeah. Yeah. Either way, <laughs> I want I want to seem worldly and cultured, but no, <laughs> uh, it's fine. Earlier this week, I saw Bottle Rockets by Wes Anderson. Uh, I think it's his first featurette or whatever. Um, but nonetheless, it's great. Um, yeah, it's it doesn't necessarily have this all Anderson cool, quirky camera movements. And he's not... It, there's definitely room for uh, change within his style, his style especially. But the characters are very Wes. And I feel like it, it's one of my top Wes Anderson films. Uh, nice. Definitely. Okay. Uh, it really hits well with me, Baller Rocket. And yeah, short and sweet, Baller Rocket. That's usually a, a risk. Like going into a filmmaker that you like and watching uh-huh. their first movie. It's not always easy because of what you just said. Like characters, writing, that can always be there because that's something that you work on without, you know, having actors or crew or everything else but for you to define your vision and become like a director you need to direct shit yeah so obviously a lot of the things that you love from um hotel budapest or like mr fox or all of these other very anderson movies it's not gonna necessarily be there because he hadn't gotten to that point Mm -hmm. but um i will check it out i haven't checked it out because of that reason but if you liked it i'll, I'll give it a shot <laughs> after seeing this film i'm like i'm down i i want to watch all of the other anderson films that i haven't yet seen and rewatch a lot of them too like i want to rewatch aquatic I, th- I feel like that one would be a good rewatch life of the aquatic life aquatic life aquatic I, life of the aquatic? Life aquatic right i don't know life aquatic i think nah. alexis what have you seen recently so, okay, originally I was going to recommend The Great, which stars uh, Elle Fanning and Nicholas Holst. I don't remember if there's an S in his last name. Holt. Uh, no S. Okay, there you go. Uh, but actually, because of what you mentioned about Hollywood, I would recommend uh, Hashtag Black AF, mm-hmm. okay. which is a Netflix series. Personally, mm-hmm. I loved it. And I loved it because of something that I think I've discussed with either both of you or just Mao, which is that sometimes certain shows get praised just for having, uh, like, 
they get praised as being the best movie just for having a tiny bit done to them. So, for example, uh, Black Panther getting praised as being like an amazing movie. It's not that great of a movie. Its accomplishment is that it has a null African American. Yeah, cast. like they're staying true to that, which is great, and I'm not against that. But it's not a great movie. Like a lot of the CGI falls through. Mm-hmm. Some there are some plot holes. Like there's a lot of issues with the movie. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it should get praise for what it did well, but it should not get praise for what it didn't. Yeah. So Black AF is basically approaching that in a way. The writer and lead is actually the writer of Blackish. And uh, okay. a couple of other shows. I don't. I can't remember this. I can actually look it up. This. Yeah, but it, here's like in general because of what you just said. You're right, um, and it's the same thing with like queer cinema or Asian cinema mm. in terms of representation. It's like yes, we should acknowledge that this is a huge step forward. Sad. That it's taken this long, but sure, yeah. it's now being done. Um, but there should be more quality in it. And I feel as the industry evolves, we will get more shows, we will get more movies with representation, and therefore be able to get like great masterpieces of a movie. You know, because yeah. if we compare it, like we've had movies about a white dude who saves everyone a whole bunch of times. So then, yeah. of course, there's a like, good quality of them and there's bad quality in them so i feel it's just a time thing it's a sad thing but i think it's just a time thing which is why i actually really appreciated the show because it's like a predominantly uh black cast Mm -hmm. it's it's all about being black in the u.s and a a part of it is being uh, successfully and black in the u.s versus being unsuccessfully black in the u.s and how you're perceived and there's all sorts of things that are being approached. Uh, I think in in the first episode, a uh, little spoiler, uh, the writer of Modern Family is, meets Kenya Bar- Baris, or Kenya, whatever his last name is, I can't pronounce it properly. Um, and they're talking about their cars, uh, Kenya having uh, a high-end hybrid versus the writer of Modern Family, whose name I can't even remember. Uh, mm-hmm. who has uh, Prius, which is like the go-to in LA, I've, I've been told. I don't know. It, yeah, it is. It's so, ridiculous. It is. So basically, the writer of Modern Family is supposed to be taking like a tiny stab at Kenya. And Kenya's like, yeah, no, this is a fucking hybrid. Like, chill. <laughs> I'm still all for the environment. I'm just doing it in class. <laughs> like, he doesn't... Not in those words, just to clarify that. But <laughs> it just, it just it has that approach of like acknowledging that black people have a different past versus white people especially in the u.s it's all of it is predominantly about the u.s because and another thing that keeps coming up all the time is about slavery and how that formed black culture today which like personally i didn't know it was actually a great like history lesson because Mm -hmm. i haven't lived in the u.s i've never really cared about the u.s to that extent so like it was actually very informative the way they did it and Mm. just i don't know from the i haven't really read many reviews but like the couple reviews i read they seem to praise it for how accurate it is okay so it's it's simply something that you can't talk enough about yeah like as as i'm talking 
as I'm talking about it, I'm getting like more and more things that I want to talk about. So I'm just gonna stop myself <laughs> right. here and be like, so, just really watch cool. the show Black Sh- AF. Should we just go into the movie of the week? Her. Yeah, for sure. We can get into it. Her. Yes. So, you know, this week we all watched Her. Mm. It's a 2013 movie. It's directed and written by Spike Jones. Um, and you know, I think we should be transparent about this, right? I love this film. I adore it um, with a passion. And I've recommended it to Aga, I don't even know how many times. Ah. So that's, you know, me being transparent. I probably don't have a lot of negative things about the movie. I'm excited to hear outside of it. Mm -hmm. Because um, naturally, this was my first time seeing the film. It's been on my watch list for forever. Mao especially, but a lot of people have recommended it to me. But yeah, it was my first time seeing it. Yeah. So uh, on that note, I'm just going to say that personally, I don't take movie recommendations from anyone. Like Mao is one of the few people that when he recommends something to me, I will watch it at some point. Not guaranteed that I'll watch it within like a week, but like I'll watch it at some point. I'll good. I think you recommended one movie to me and I wasn't happy with it. And like, <laughs> sorry, but like you, you lost that ability to recommend movies to me right now. Duly noted. Um, I take no offense whatsoever. And like, there's, <laughs> there's really no one else that can recommend a movie to me that I'll be like, you know what? Because you recommended it, I'll watch it. It's only Mao that recommends movies. Mm. So he recommended to me that I watch this movie like two years ago or so. Like it's a been year a and long a half time. ago. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I don't know. But, uh, and then eventually I watched it and like, I love this movie. This, Roma, and uh, I'm blanking on my third favorite movie. Those are my top three, like top, top three. Like they're constantly changing between them three movies, at, as which is my top favorite movie. Mm. Just, I love this movie. Alrighty. So with that said, you know. <laughs> Uh, let me give you a synopsis yeah. and then Algot can give us his spoiler free thoughts about this movie and then we'll get into it. So basically, okay. her is a story of theater who Theodore <laughs> who <laughs> lives in a not so distant future uh, and he's a writer and he develops an unlikely romantic relationship with an operating system. So it is what some people say is a sci-fi. Uh, and I think, you know, spoiler free thoughts, go watch it. I think it's awesome. Uh, I feel this, this is a type of movie that I would recommend to someone. And that's why I don't recommend movies to a lot of people. Like I've said before, mm. because they're very specific. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a very specific type of person who will like this movie. Um, Agar, what did you think about it? I, I feel the way that uh, Alexis put it, that he actually listens to your recommendations and not mine, makes a, puts it in a good way. It makes a lot of sense, actually, because I'm sorry, but I, I wasn't too impressed with this film. I think I possibly have gotten my hopes up because I've heard a lot of good things about it. Granted, mm. those things have probably been from uh, film students. And as we... We, we all know film students are a unique breed of pre- person. Pretentious. They're, you can say it. We're pretentious. <laughs> but I wouldn't say this is a pretentious film. Of course, it's Spike Jones, so you kind of know it's going to be a weird-ish film. It's not as weird as Malkovich, though. 
uh, it's very no it's very comprehensible within its uh within its uh, concept i would say mm-hmm. but um yeah it's a cool film but it, i would say it's very it's a it's not necessarily hit or, hit or miss. I don't, I don't know. I'm at a loss of words. I find. Did you feel it was underwhelming? Maybe. Like it was Possibly. it that you build this thing up and because it didn't reach that, you know. I think it might be that, but I then again, I've been waiting to see it for quite some time. So I don't think I was. I don't think I had hyped it up necessarily. Mm-hmm. It just didn't necessarily hit the notes that I would like Actually, a movie to hit. Go ahead. Okay. I have a question that I think is very important for this specific movie when you watch the movie were you like watching it on your laptop in bed or were you watching it on the tv with like three other people next to you what was the setting that you were watching it i was always aware that it's a film better watched alone 100 percent. i did watch it in my bed on my laptop yes okay okay that was that was the only thing i could think of mm. that might have uh, ruined the experience because personally True. i watched this film four or five times in the past year yeah. or so yeah more or less year and only twice did i watch it alone and those were the times that i truly enjoyed it because i mm, felt yeah. free of judgment to cry whenever i wanted to <laughs> <laughs> i like it uh, the other three times i was with people and i was like okay okay no tears now no tears <laughs> <laughs> that's fair that's completely fair basically so, it's a film about some pretty bittersweet take on romance and it kind of mm. touches on the question what romance and relationships are or would be yeah. or could be yeah. or is yeah and there's there's a lot of interesting stuff yeah. within the movie that i think we're gonna be able to touch upon once we get into the spoiler um aspect of this movie uh i think there's some fun facts that we can get out of the way um a lot of people call this movie a companion piece to Lost in Translation by Sofia Coppola. Oh, because really, Sofia Coppola and Spike Jones were married. Um, they dated for eleven years, and then they were married for four years, and then they got divorced. And she made Lost in Translation, and there's a lot of parallels. And then ten years later, he comes back and makes her. So a lot of people say and theorize that we're basically getting the two sides of how they dealt with their relationship. Sophia's more with their actual relationship and Spike Jones's more like how he came to terms about how he failed within the relationship and the 10 years of perspective um, that he got. So I think that's cool. Interesting. I love when that. Yeah. Like I think I think that's really cool. Like, you know? <laughs> um, and there's other parallels. Obviously, Scarlett Johansson is in both of them, who I think is amazing. <laughs> and um, they have the same production designer, which also makes sense because they both have a similar, similar but not exact. And I think the differences come, you know, from Spike dealing with the fact that he's now okay with the divorce and Sophia, you know, with all of the loneliness that he, that she felt within the relationship. Um, I let's guess it get kind into of the spoilers. a similar color palette, maybe 
even though her is very pastel-like, it plays mm. with colors at least. Both of them do in, yeah. a, in yeah. a unique way. Yeah, I feel like what's interesting is, you know, Tokyo, well, like Lost in Translation is very cold in its palette mm-hmm. and her is actively trying to be warm. Washed out, but still warm. And I think that's really interesting. But um, let me... Uh, just really quickly tell people who is in this movie because I skipped that part because I'm excited about this conversation. Uh, the movie stars Joaquin Phoenix Woo! in the main role. We all love him here. Yes. I really think he's fucking amazing. Um, Scarlett Johansson plays the operating system, so it's only her voice that oh, we hear. If I may say something just real quick. I feel yeah. like Scarlett Johansson, because she's so beautiful, it's actually stopping people from noticing how great of an actress she is i agree 100 percent. like there's so many people that are like oh my gosh she's so hot i'm like yes she is but have you seen her act like have you heard her voice and her like it just okay sorry yeah do go on i agree no <laughs> please keep going she's amazing um amy adams is also in this film uh as long uh along with olivia wilde and rooney mara uh chris pratt also makes certain appearances and uh he's hilarious because this is pre guardians of the galaxy um and it's it's a nice little take he looks so great that, though oh yeah <laughs> uh he might have wait is this pre 2013 um when did guardians of the galaxy come out i'm pretty sure it was after that i think it's after 2014 that. oh so he might have like been getting in shape or something you know like he was getting there anyways he's fun this is your official spoiler alert we're gonna get into it and uh i'll got tell us you know tell us what you liked about it let's get let's what get i liked nice about it well there is actually 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 can we start the other way because once we get in the nice me and me and you we're gonna be talking non-stop so yeah should we start That's from fair. the negative i think so that's fair. Uh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Let's go. Okay. I'll go trash this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. You, you destroyed. We built it up. <laughs> I didn't dislike it by any means. Uh, what didn't I like okay. about it? Mm, it's kind of hard to pinpoint. It is because it's. I think it's. Hey, Phoenix is amazing. The acting is great. The writing is yeah. stellar. One point that I personally am not a huge fan of, and I mean, I understand that you two are, but I don't. I didn't necessarily see the um, what do you call it? The I didn't see the need for the language. I get that. I guess that they were trying to create some sort of realism of like how people talk, but at times I felt like it was just very raunchy. The humor itself, sure, I laughed, but it's not my type of humor necessarily but you I, mean the sexual tones that are all over all over movie. the place and they swear yeah. all the time and i <laughs> felt like it's a bit alienating i guess it's taking place in the future but it's very raunchy mm. altogether okay all right you know i think you I never might be right that. i personally like, never okay. even noticed that i just like i i enjoyed it so much that i didn't even notice that that was happening uh-huh I watched it with my brother, and there were parts where he definitely turned and looked at me, and he was like, this, this, what is that? You know? Mm-hmm. like, <laughs> It's true. There's a definite... And I think that's where the Spike Jones 
aspect comes into it. Yeah, like he one hundred percent has a specific you know tone, mm-hmm. and this is the first time that he writes alone. So like okay. being John Malkovich, he wrote with someone else. Um, adaptation, he wrote with someone else. Um, this was the first time that he wrote and directed. Interesting. Um, probably because of how personal the movie is for him. Yeah. Um, <gasps> here's the thing, and and what I just noticed we usually have a format for this and we're like throwing that out the window and we're going to have another shark boy and lava girl situation in our hands. <laughs> um, so let's try and go along with the movie and we can talk about what like jumps out at us. Um, the movie starts with theater and he works at a company that hand writes letters. It's just a cool to touch strangers. actually. I like that. Actually, I personally found that a very interesting take on the number of people that are in high up positions that get their assistants to do all the romantic efforts in the mm. relationship. So like the CEO that doesn't call his wife to say like, oh, honey, I miss you and tells the assistant, oh, text her. I miss her. Or like when they don't want to go out and buy a gift, they're like, yeah, you assistant, go do that for me. Mm. And just, I feel like it's a take on that and how in the future we might end up relying on other people to do all of the romantic efforts in the relationship rather than doing it ourselves. Basically we see theater along with his colleagues talking to this, well, desktop computer. And as he's talking, he, the computer itself is a voice to text, writing this letter to some random stranger that he has been writing a lot of letters to, which essentially, makes them not strangers anymore i guess <laughs> i mean i guess I, I get that it's taking place in the future but to me it's almost like an alternate reality is it are we sure that it's in the future necessarily that's a really cool take that you just did because i feel i feel you're right in a lot of ways i think what the movie's trying to do is not put a date on when it's happening uh-huh. or like when it's going to happen and I think the production design comes into play with it too, because mm. all the technology and all of and the fashion, their, yeah, all of their clothes, all of it are, has like a seventies vibe, but like not seventies isn't like actually taken out of the seventies. It's just like a futuristic, hypothetical seventies of what it could have been. Yeah, it's a weird mix. It's a weird mix. It's kind of like it reminds me a little bit of the aesthetic that The Incredibles has, uh, yeah. the Pixar oh. movie, less smooth, it's like, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. Like The Incredibles has this like 1950s mm. look to it, but there's also high tech mm. within it. It's a weird mix, and that's kind of what it reminded me about. But um, maybe you're right. Maybe it is kind of like an alternate reality. I, I kind of felt that way seeing it. I, to me, it wasn't clear that it's directly the future to me. Then again, we see a lot of correlations. We have this little, what do you want to call it? This little... Uh, gadget, smartphone. I guess. I mean, that's what it would be. There's a smartphone with a headpiece connected to it, and on this mm-hmm. smartphone you have an OS. And later in the film, Theodore gets advertised this new OS. That's a completely. Uh, do they advertise it as an algorithm completely? Like it's a new. Oh, uh, they they say it's like the first artificial intelligence ah, operating AI. system. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he downloads it or buys it, and it's Scarlett Johansson with her sexy voice. And uh... well, actually, that's just mere chance. It's not everyone who gets to speak to Scarlett Johansson. Uh-huh. Every every person that signs up gets a different operating system. So every person has a different 
friend, if you will, or like a different computer. Well, that's the thing. Like, and I they think... all have the same basis, but like everything past the basis is its own. And that's the point of it, right? That this is not a thing that you buy and is subservient to you necessarily. Like, or actually, that's the point. It's your assistant. <laughs> and whether or not you become friends, and in this case, develop a romantic relationship with it, is more depending on you and your interactions with it, I guess. Well, I mean, yeah. uh, I guess one scene that could explain my beef with the film uh, at the beginning there would be the scene when he actually sits down, installs the OS, and there pops up comes, uh, what's her name? I completely blanked out. That blonde chick. The hot one? Scarcho? Scarcho? <laughs> what's that? Scarlett Johansson? Scarcho. That's new to me. Uh, Scarlett Johansson pops up and... Um, I think it's based on a few questions. So mm -hmm. to my understanding, the OS is basing its, not necessarily personality, but its goal or something like that is based- Basic qualities. Yeah. I feel yeah. like it's pretty clear later when Amy Adams gets her own OS where it's fulfilling her needs based on the first questions that uh, the OS asks you. It knows Actually, that Theodore needs some sort of partner in this sense, no? Actually, Amy doesn't get her own OS. She uses Charles's, like uh, her husband yeah. or ex-husband. Oh, that that's point. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when when Amy starts telling Theodore about her AI and how it was her husband's, that's when they get into this whole discussion of how not because it's your AI doesn't mean that you're going to be friends. Because she talks about how someone in her office is hitting on their OS yeah. and the OS is like not having it and how some lady is hitting on someone else's OS yeah. which is such a bizarre concept but you know we all know that person who's like crossing them lines <laughs> <laughs> um, there's uh, early on in the movie there's a scene where uh, Joaquin Phoenix Theodore is lying down on the bed and then he puts on his earpiece and looks for uh, females to mm -hmm. uh, have phone sex with mm -hmm. yeah I feel like that scene is supposed like it's kind of, it gets kind of disgusting near the end there where it's like a <laughs> choking with a cat. Oh, I'm choking with the tail of the cat. <laughs> but uh, I found it really interesting that that scene sort of sets up the rest of the movie because it shows you the level of intimacy you can get to through just this tiny little earpiece. Like you don't need a visual representation of that person. You just need that earpiece and just to like chat and mm -hmm. you can get everything just from verbal communication. Mm. No, that's which, really good. Which like it just it literally sets up the entire thing because if you didn't have that scene, how comfortable would you have been when he then has sex with an AI over the phone? Like yeah. it just I feel like it would have been much more uncomfortable for you to watch it because you didn't have that shock in the beginning mm. of like the disgusting version of what happens later on. Well, because realistically, the movie is asking various questions, I think. And one of them is probably what you're talking about, right? Like how how do we interact with each other? How yeah. intimate or how intimacy works within a relationship? And, and is it dependent on being with someone physically? And... You know, I think there's arguments for and against, um, mostly when we are presented with the flashbacks of theater's past relationship, yeah. um, which I think, again, are handled 
beautifully. They're shot yeah. in this like dreamy, hazy, warm light, <laughs> which contrasts how lonely he is, right? And it's yeah. like, oh man, that sucks because mm-hmm. it looks like a really nice relationship, and like they had a lot of fun, like they were really tight and cute. And then it's like, and we only he's see, alone in his bed. We only see the good parts up on his flashbacks, probably because that's the way he looks back on the relationship, and we only hear about the bad things probably most of the times from a third party mm-hmm. yeah um something else that i actually i want to talk about is the fact that he portrays the validity of our relationship being possible through only verbal communication over the phone but an important part of it is also to understand that the ai or samantha or Scar- scarlett johansson is only there at his whim, like at any given moment, he just puts the the pod in his ear mm. and he just talks to her, which is an unrealistic expectation to have in real life. Mm-hmm. You can't just like at any given moment call someone and expect them at all times to pick up. And you see yeah. how troublesome that becomes near the end where she's not available to talk at his whim. She starts having like her own time and like things that she wants to do outside of him yeah and all of a sudden you see him being like what the hell i thought i thought this was our relationship where you just at at my beck and call 24 7 so yeah yeah and like you can see that when he freaks out about so she sends him an email says like hey i'm gonna go make this upgrade but he doesn't see that um so she kind of disappears for a second there and he freaks out and you know that's when we discover that she's all this other stuff and that she's having multiple conversations and realistically multiple relationships because she's an AI and she handles shit differently. Um, like it took but, her point to a second to read 180,000 names. Like, mm. Yeah. So, but his reaction is, I thought you were mine. Yeah. You know, and I feel yeah. that's the, the key point that this movie is trying to say. It's like, you don't own this other half mm. of this relationship and you know yeah for I, i've seen this movie many times and i feel like what i really like about it is how i change every time that i see it um because i'm at a different part of my life yeah yeah and you know i think this time my biggest interpretation of the movie is that it's not a love story between him and the ai i feel it's a love story with him with himself that's the whole point of his character he needs to go from where he starts in the movie and he even says it out loud like i'm looking to have sex to fill this void that i have inside of me which it probably won't to being okay with being on his own and a lot of people think that by the ending he's gonna end up with amy i don't see it that way i feel like they're both just like, we need a friend. And that's all that you yeah. really need. Like, mm-hmm. it's about him learning how to accept and love himself. Yeah, through the AI and the interactions that they have. But um, it is about him being okay with himself and growing up past. I need a relationship to be happy. I need a relationship to be whole as a person because that's not how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, We can kind of like 
talk about or I, I find it interesting. I feel like we're getting Alga to like it just a little bit more now. You're not <laughs> wrong. I you're not wrong. My rating that I had in my mind before hitting record might be a little bit higher. We'll see. Uh I I really like that take. Um I would like to segue into the Catherine relationship like his ex because mm-hmm. I do believe that's the way that he I mean, the guy has a lot of baggage. Let's be clear. <laughs> uh, yeah. Of course, it was a lovely relationship and all and all. Do we ever get an explanation to why they broke up necessarily? He says uh, that he yeah. ran away. Uh-huh. Like he hides from her. Um, and we see it happen with Olivia Wilde when they're at the restaurant and uh-huh. with Samantha as well. Um, he has some kind of like commitment issue but not necessarily it's a it's weird he has baggage uh, so yeah he has baggage but also i found it interesting that at, at the restaurant where they're signing the divorce papers uh mm-hmm. catherine says he just wanted to stick me on prozac or something like that which mm. like it's actually a very powerful drug like you wouldn't give that to just anyone you need to be severely depressed which makes me think that yes he has flaws but also she wasn't willing to deal with her issues to alleviate some of the pressure on him and his flaws. I've that's totally fair. And Amy says something like that too. She's like, Yeah. Um, her like, emotions were very volatile. Yeah. Um so I like with everything, the two of them are at fault. But what was but, what were you getting? But maybe to we can that? see a little bit of that in uh Theodore's relationship with uh Samantha, due to the uh, mm-hmm. toxic that he is uh, putting on her, the, the toxicness, whatever. Yeah, and you can see it in her, like how she develops that level of jealousy when he is. I don't remember what, who he's talking. Oh yeah, no, when he goes and signs the papers, mm-hmm. and then she's all jealous because he's feeling a little down because like. He just went through this emotional thing and she's like, what the hell? This isn't our normal relationship. Our normal relationship is we talk 24-7. Yeah. So what the fuck is going on? And she freaks out over it. And that's a trait that she gets from him, not a trait that was programmed into her. Because mm-hmm. if it was, she mm-hmm. would have had that from the mm-hmm. first second. True. So it's also that that like he has that level of jealousy in himself that is then reflected on her having it on him. Like it's, oh my God. I find it interesting how we see it everything from Theo's uh, perspective. Um, <laughs> I mean, looking into it, Catherine didn't do much wrong. It's it's realistically Theodore that breaks the entire thing up. I mean, he's not being a great dude uh, about just postponing the signing of the papers, and he doesn't want to do that. Um, so if, if you were to ask me, it seems like he is the bigger issue from that relationship that he had or the marriage even that he had with uh with Catherine so knowing now that um there's a correlation between her and lost in translation i find very interesting right yeah cuz it talks about that it, it talks about how he was not there during the relationship realistically we don't know it in her but if we look at the the other side in lost in translation it's because of work. It's because mm-hmm. he was more into his work than into being married, I guess. And that could be one side of it. In terms of the movie itself, I agree with you, Algar. I think he 
probably has a bit more of the blame in terms of that because, you know, he, we hear that he wanted to stick her on Prozac, but we don't know if that's because he didn't want to help or he didn't want to go through the process of helping her with whatever she was dealing with. Um, you know, so maybe it was just like, he thought this would be easier. Like, Oh, take a drug, be happy. Cause she says it. She's like, you wanted me to be bouncy and like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, it's the same thing with Samantha. Like they're happy when the relationship is supposedly like easy and not complicated. And he's all like, Oh, I love that. Samantha is just like happy about the world. And, you know, she wants she to know everything and everything. Yeah. Yeah. But when she starts like dealing with some shit, like, yeah. am I real? Am I a person? Are my emotions like programmed? Like all of this other stuff, he tunes out. Like he's yeah. not willing to help, you know? I mean, yeah. the dude is very emotionally unavailable and we, we get that sense of him already from the start. Exactly. And, I don't think you see much improvement in that aspect of him throughout the film necessarily, which inevitably leads to the ending of it too. Um, but um, I feel like the point of the movie is that it's not necessarily showing you how he gets better in that sense. It's more that he, it shows you what it took for that shock in him to start getting better. Ah. Uh, yeah, like that entire movie is that like the last straw of like being emotionally unavailable, being so depressed, putting your depression on others rather than dealing it with mm-hmm. dealing with it yourself, taking all that negativity and blaming it on others, not being bouncy and happy instead of being like, you know what? No, I'm the problem. I'm the one who's always negative. It's that entire movie of being like, no, enough. And this is what shocks me. And I stop doing that. And I start being a normal person with my friend, Amy. and. I, I hate that you're winning me over this much. <laughs> I, well, because it's it's true, right? Yeah. Like, he, when when the movie ends, he's writing a letter to Catherine. Mm. He's being like, "I'm sorry, I fucked up. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to get you so back. I just love you. You will always be my friend. You know." And then he goes to Amy because realistically, she just lost her AI friend. She's probably sad. She's going through a divorce. You know, so. He goes up to her and he's like, hey, let's, I'm here for you. You know, he's, he's starting to change. He's starting to turn that leaf. When you, yeah. when you say that people are interpreting it as if they were to get together, do you mean that it's an open ending and people picture it that mm-hmm. way? Or Yeah. Yeah. Like okay. there's some people that, well, because we don't know, right? It is technically an opening yeah, uh, an open ending. But I I um, don't really see it that way. I see how you can get that or want that even as a viewer, but I don't see it. No. Probably. It seems that to them I didn't see it either. They have a very platonic relationship. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, like I understand why you feel like there's no change because the dude is mostly like he's very mopey. And we see that like from the get-go when he gets <laughs> on the elevator and he's like, play a melancholy song. And it's like <laughs> Is this something like uh, when you know you're going to die? And he's like, uh, <laughs> different song. And it's like, yeah, because you don't want to be that every single day of your life. You know, like it's about him. I think it's mostly just coming to grips with his, with his divorce and the fact that, you know, he was a really toxic person. Yeah. Would you fall in love with your AI? 
Oh. That's a different question than what I had. <laughs> what was your question? Uh, so I'm just going to quickly answer. Yes, I would fall in love with my AI, but I don't know if I'd feel comfortable having sex with it. Because you created it? or w- well, No, no, it's just a matter of like, I don't feel comfortable having phone sex to begin with. Okay. Like, that's wow. not something that I was... That has ever really? been a part of my life. That's yeah. where you draw the line. Like, we're not gonna get into specifics because you know <laughs> privacy. But that's where you draw the line. Yeah, phone I sex. Don't, like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with phone sex or like sex uh, Skype sex or. Uh, uh, I, I, I can work with it, uh, kind of, sort uh, but like, I'm not really into it. I hear you. I hear you. Like I'm more of like in person kind of sex thing, but even I then, it's not all kind of like we. I think we all prefer the in person. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not saying I prefer. I'm saying like I don't feel comfortable with sex as anything other than in person. Okay. Like I don't mind talking about it. Like, oh yeah, like sex are. is so much. Like yeah, like the way we're talking about it is fine. But once it gets to like. Oh, and then I caress the back of your neck and uh, gently kiss the your forehead. I don't know, like that. That gets that's weird. a that different feels weird podcast. <laughs> <laughs> would that would, just feels weird to me? Would I fall in love with my AI? Yes, I think we all would realistically, because I mean the OS that is it's so fleshed out. Is it is it called the ex machina test, or am I confusing that with something else? No, the Turing test. The Turing yes. test, yeah. It's definitely passing the Turing test. Of course, they're always acknowledging the fact that she's an AI. They're always talking about her as an OS. But, I mean, she's extremely human. It's very easy to fall in love with someone that through an algorithm could be designed to make you fall in love with them. Could be. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's like this whole idea that, you know, there's people nowadays who meet people online and i'm not talking tinder or bumble or any of those apps i mean like you meet someone online and you develop this relationship through text Mm. mostly or phone calls and that's exactly what you're saying right when the when the interaction becomes becomes naturally human it's kind of hard for our brain to like separate what what's going on and what's not going on so i mean realistically i think you're right Maybe it would depend on like, you know, the point of your life that you're at, Mm. you know, emotionally, mentally. Yeah. But um, yeah, you're probably right. Most of us would in some way or another at least be attracted to it. Or the idea of it. Uh, Mm. I think it's very easy. I mean, you see that a lot in certain cultures where people just go into their man caves. I know Japan has a big issue about the fact that people are just online constantly and we don't see as much interaction with people. So yeah, people marry goats. They always have been. But in today's day and age, yes, people do actually marry goats. Uh, It's a thing. Check it out. But I don't think we're too far away from, you know, marrying your body pillow if you even... If you really like it that much, disgustingly enough. Which but I think, I think it's only human. I think it leads very nicely into, you know, the fact that this movie is trying to say we're lonely 
as humans and Uh no matter the technology that we can have. Because what I like about this movie in terms of the sci-fi aspect of this movie is that there are all the blue tones from technology are taken away. So all the screen reflections, all of the stuff that has to do with technology, it has an orange warm tint to it because Spike wanted it to be... Right? I didn't think of that either. (laughs) 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 He and the production designer, who I'm going to name because I feel like we don't do that enough Mm. with people who are not like directors or whatever. So the production designer is K.K. Barrett. And so him, Hoyte, who's a DP, and Spike Jones all work together to make the world itself warm because that's the idea that's the hypothesis that we'll have you know like technology brings us together because we can contact people in china because we can you know maintain this sense of like we're always connected to each other because you can see me posting about my food at 3 a.m but it the point of the movie is that that is not human connection that is not a satisfying lasting connection and that's why everyone is always alone on screen like they're all walking on their own yeah and i mean heck it's commonly a thing to have someone else write your love letters to someone Um, yeah so like my brother was like do you think that would be a thing like this and that and i brought up the exact example that alexis did i was like dude there's people who are so busy with their job that are like hey um assistant x like go buy my kid's birthday present yeah. and then they give the kid that birthday present and it's like oh how did you know that i want this and it, you're stuck in that situation where it's like this dad has no idea you know or like um when samantha asks theater like oh why do you talk about the crooked little t- uh tooth that this woman has and he's like oh because i've written this letter for eight years um I've written their letters for eight years and I just saw it on a picture and I decided to write about it. He actively shaped their relationship because after yeah. that, the husband, whether he had thought of it or not before, now he is attracted to the crooked little tooth. And because he has to wrote about it. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, when the credits rolled up, I was surprised and delighted to see that it was arcade fire is it the actual band arcade it fire is. it's mostly the frontman okay and another canadian dude but the music is performed all the music is performed uh, all by arcade it. fire because yes apparently sadly enough uh spotify doesn't or at least in europe or at least in scandinavia uh, it doesn't it's have not the available anywhere oh, that sucks so and it's it's such a thing because everyone wants one uh-huh. um, because he got nominated for the Oscar for best um, original original soundtrack. song and also for uh, best music whatever that is Score. I'm blanking so hard but realistically everyone was like this is something that I would want like yeah. out of music scores this is something that I would want and it was never released and there's no plans to release it. Wow. And the only thing that has ever come out is that the one, like the main guy from the band arcade fire was doing a Reddit AMA. Mm. And he was like, we might release a vinyl at some point, mm. but that was five years ago. So, <laughs> you know, 
I don't think it's gonna happen. Jeez. But it's sad. Yeah. Well, I always the music is awesome. Yeah, I always find it interesting. Like, uh, what's the movie with the, the Tron? I like uh, how Daft Punk did the Tron, for example. It's mm-hmm. it's cool. It's really cool when pop artists or even artists that are from the music industry collab essentially with filmmakers. Um, I think it's the best thing ever. Mm. You, like you kind of need to find a band like Arcade Fighter that is sort of cinematic or has have the capability to be because it's a different form. Yeah, but yeah. even even with that, like Arcade Fire is very poppy, very like mm-hmm. upbeat and stuff, and this is so delicate yeah. this stuff is so precise and so dreamy and harmonic i when i saw that it was arcade fire i was like that is insane that blows my mind fucking i didn't think it was all so of creative maybe i love it a soundtrack or two no there's like i think they did eight songs and then the actual like the moon song um, yeah 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 oh uh the moon song Personally, love that song. I love it with a passion. Yeah. Like, I agree. I, where was it? Oh, when we were at the cabin. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I played that song because like, I didn't know that it existed because I didn't know the movie. And since then, and I think it was Eunice that was singing it. Mm. And ever since then, it's been like just my favorite song. Like, it just soothes my soul. It's. It's the chamomile tea for my soul. Do you, you do go. you listen to the uh, uh, the Phoenix and the uh, Johansson version or the Arcade Fire version? The Phoenix and Johansson. I can't. Yeah, that's the one I listen to too. I kind of like the version because as the credits roll up, they have the Arcade Fire version. I kind of like that one more. Uh, actually, I think. The girl who they got to sing for that is, um, she's the singer from that. Uh, what's the fucking that one? Band. I think the band is called Yeah Yeah Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's her. They're cool. Um, who? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I just witnessed an inside joke. <laughs> so one quick thing that I would like to run by you guys denied. Is... The fact that throughout the film, again, it's a beautiful film, amazing, but you get these like consistently, there are cutaways of just seemingly random things. I try to kind of analyze it and try to break down what the cutaways were of, but sometimes it's just crowds. Sometimes at the beach, there are very nasty close-ups of human. I mean, I guess that one makes a lot of sense considering the context and they're talking about human <laughs> bodies. But you know what I'm talking about. Throughout the film, there are always cutaways. They're very, uh, a very shallow depths of field. But I've never, I never saw the purpose of them. So to me, I'm not too keen. They're having a conversation, right? Uh huh. When you have a conversation on film, you cut from one person to the other. Oh. There's no other person. The only other thing to cut away to is what he's making eye contact with. <laughs> <laughs> okay i like that yeah so and, oh, it, so and it comes back to what you said about us always seeing things from his perspective and us always being in his headspace Shit. that helps you put into perspective what he's looking what he's going through 
Uh, also, in some, I, I remember there was like one or two cutaways. I don't remember more than that, where uh, it's actually adding context to the conversation in a sense. Like it doesn't, it doesn't. You don't have the beginning of the conversation, so it just finds a way to add context to okay. what has been said so far with just that still image, mm. which is done so beautifully that you don't even notice that that's what it's doing. But like you feel like you've been part of the conversation since before it started, nice. even though you weren't there for that. Whoa. Just because of that one, I, I, I don't remember where exactly it was. It was like one moment that I, I had in my mind very vivid. I guess I'll just have to rewatch it and look at that specifically because I didn't catch on to it until I guess it was too late. Uh, but I, I like that kind of like editing. It is very apparent, but um, if it's what your guests are saying, that it is, in fact, adding to it, I'm all aboard. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I think the editing is great. Yeah. Because there's so many montages. Uh-huh. Like the f- all the flashbacks are technically montages. And then most of their f- happy aspect of the relationship between Samantha and theater is also um, montage. And I think they're beautiful beautiful pieces of work Um, halfway through the movie i guess like the latter part they're out of the honeymoon phase samantha and theodore however someone i forget if it is Catherine or if it's amy but some of them puts the question out there is it a real relationship between the Mm -hmm. os and the person to bear in mind that this takes place in the future and everything and um yeah, simply that. Do you guys think that it is a real relationship? I mean, Would it be considered personally, as one? I feel it depends on what you define a relationship because I'm pretty sure that all of us have had that MSN relationship when we were like 12 or something. <laughs> I'm and still in love with my RuneScape girlfriend. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, just, it's a relationship that you had, which is no less real than the relationships you had after that. But if you define a relationship as someone you had uh, like sexual encounters with, then that's one type of relationship. It really depends on how you define a relationship, because mm-hmm. it's such a loose term to use and be like and exclude parts of a relationship just because it doesn't fit your own worldview. I think it depends. <laughs> That's the boy. Realistically, um, because we are living all of this through theater size, mm. it's a relationship when he decides it is, mm. you know, when he decides to actively commit to it, you know, and you see it because he starts caring about her. He starts, you know, doing all of this stuff. And it's actually right after the scene that you said, oh, God, it's, it's after Amy asks him, like, is it real? Like, I'm not in it. I can't. And that's the thing, right? Like, when a third party gives you an opinion about your relationship, take it with a grain of salt because they don't live the day-to-day. They don't live the ups and downs. You know, they're not in it. They don't know how each of you feel. Um, But if we're looking at it through theater's point of view, it is probably a relationship after that, when he decides he wants it to be. Um, Because after that, he gets comfortable in it. You know, he... He goes on the double date. Yeah. He's like, all oh, this. Which reminds me that we haven't spoken about Chris Pratt a lot. So I'm just going to say he's amazing <laughs> and he's so funny, man. He's so funny <laughs> yeah. in this. Uh, yeah. Uh, with that scene, I mean, uh, before that we see Catherine 
and she's not on board at all. Like she finds the entire falling in love with your OS, even though it's commonplace in this world, she doesn't buy into Actually, it. Actually, it's not. It's not? It's not. Because even when Amy approaches it, she says it as if to mock the person who fell in love with his oh. AI or to mock the person who was hitting on his AI. So it's not common there. Because like this is a brand new thing. Like It's existed in their world for like okay. minutes. So like the fact that he fell in love, it's actually more like a pioneer type thing. Like he created something. <laughs> not that, that's what we like, see. I'm it. over, over. I'm I'm making a point here, which is why I'm over exaggerating. Yeah. I okay. don't think he's actually a pioneer for falling in love with his AI. <laughs> well, what I guess I'm saying is that you have Catherine on one uh, side of it that's completely against it. I think it's fair to say, and then you have Chris Pratt yeah. and his uh, girlfriend. That don't really question it. It's like he he blurs out that the fact that his partner is an OS, and they don't really flinch at the fact that it's an OS. Yeah. To them, it's not They're that just big like, of a oh. deal. Yeah, uh, it kind of weirdly enough. I think there might be some correlation to I don't know what they're trying to say necessarily, but there, there's this um, podcast, Cox and Crender. There were old guys, YouTube veterans and stuff, but there, it's a great podcast. Uh, in one part of it, uh, they make fun of how the older generation above us find it strange how uh, people are LBTQ and maybe even to some extent interracial relationship. They're like old people and they're like, mm, I don't really understand why people, why guys have to go around kissing guys. Mm, I find it weird. And they're making fun about us being like in a few generations, the old guys that are being like... Hmm, I don't know. I find it weird that my granddaughter is dating this robot. Hmm, I don't like it. <laughs> you know. I mean, that's, that's an interesting fair, take. Yeah. Realistically, we are evolving that, as people, and we're gonna be that old yeah. generation finding it weird. So it oh, could I don't be, that, be that. So it could I be that Catherine. Right. Hold on. So it could be that Catherine is being the equivalent of uh, racist or homophobic, even though she's of the same age like i'm pretty sure we've all had people in our lives that yeah. at one point or another you're like why the hell are you allowed to have thoughts and speak out loud? Like, <laughs> yeah. why i don't but think like, yes <laughs> i don't think that's the point they're trying to make but you could you could make no no that i know correlation. But i'm just 100 <laughs> no it, but yeah it could I, be that I she's totally that equivalent mm. in that sense so to answer my own question, I think it is a relationship. I don't think it's a healthy relationship. It would definitely be very antisocial of you to have that sort of partner. Granted, they are having a very successful double date with Chris Pratt. I don't know. And also, that's kind of like a double standard. Like everyone who is in a newly, you know, developing relationship is antisocial. Okay, it's like ah, yeah. those two months, like average kind of thing when your friend like suddenly disappears from your life and it's like oh <laughs> they're probably doing the nasty <laughs> right now tomorrow yesterday like it's a thing you know but um i see what you're saying about it um and i feel like we could keep going and going and going mm. mostly because this movie is beautiful and amazing but um i think we should wrap it up and I would like to say that Azad has a new point of view based on our conversation here. So here's the thing, right? We'll I I definitely 
didn't look into it, read into the film as much as I've had during this conversation. I've realized a lot of things that I that might not have been apparent while watching it. I, I was kind mm. of tired while watching it, but I think it's a good sign the fact that halfway through the movie, you know, I was kind of like dozing off, but then it became very interesting and I, I stayed <laughs> awake for the rest of the film. That's a good sign. Cool. That's really um, cool. I for, really... for next time you watch it or for anyone else who's stuck around that hasn't seen the movie already, uh, my recommendation would be to get a nice glass of like very sweet rosé wine. <laughs> yeah. Cuddle yourself with like three yeah. or four blankets and then watch the movie. Well, like instead of find a way to make yourself feel as if you're loved or like cared for in that moment and then watch the movie. Whatever that translates for you, it might be just going into the bathtub and having the laptop on the side. <laughs> it might be like getting under the covers and just watching it. Whatever that means to you, just do it that way. Because I feel like if you don't feel loved in the moment, you're not going to truly enjoy the movie the way it's meant I, to be enjoyed. Because I, I was going to say, like, I... I'm not sure if this is a good movie to watch after a breakup or not. Oh no, I don't. Think I don't so. know, man. Well, it touches it's on up, it's up and down. Getting no, no, over. No, no. But here's it, the but thing: yeah. he he does this movie ten years after the divorce. Like he had ten years to get to the point of being okay with what happened to make this movie. Ah. So you can't go in like at that point. He also loves himself again. He's okay with himself again. And that's when he makes a movie. So I feel like you should be at least physically, if not mentally, in the same mind space as that so that you can truly enjoy the movie the way he intended it to be enjoyed. Yeah, I no, feel that's, like fair. That, that's what I get from it. I don't know if that's accurate. And I'm sure Spike Jones will, will listen to this and give us some feedback on that thought. But <laughs> he'll tweet us. <laughs> Originally, I was going to give the film two and a half stars. I'm going to wow. increase that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's a beautiful film. I love the way it's shot. And the acting is phenomenal. I don't know. Maybe I, I'm not, I wasn't in the right place in my life to appreciate it to the extent that you guys might have. Um, but I am going to bump up the rating for sure. For sure. I'm going to give it a three star. And I can definitely <laughs> expect it to increase the more I see it, the more I rewatch it. I can okay. live with a three. Three out of five. I can live with you giving it a three. <laughs> I feel if you give it a three, you're at least giving it the chance to go higher. Because yeah. I yeah. feel if you put it like a 2.5, it's like mm. you wouldn't even <laughs> really want to rewatch it. Yeah. So I can live with you giving it a three. Uh, Alexis, do you want to go next? Sure, for me it's a five. Like not even thinking about it, just oh. five. <laughs> if yeah, I could give too. it more, it just I would give it more. But like with a limit of five, I would give it a five. Wow. I agree. For me, you know, I've seen this movie way too many times, and I agree with what you're saying, Alexis. For me, this movie is more enjoyed, mm-hmm. um, or maybe more easily enjoyed if you. I don't know. For me, it's like a warm hug. Watching this movie is like a warm hug. Um, so for me, it's a five out of five, too. To me, it's very bittersweet. Um, I, I guess I didn't truly appreciate, or I guess I didn't relate to it to that extent. And I don't know what that tells <laughs> us about you guys. But um, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, or about I mean, you, Algot. Oh, Maybe I mean, we should open any of those doors. <laughs> personally, I've been through a variation of this. So, uh-huh. like, that's why I... The first time I watched it, I was uh, the reason I started weeping like a little child that just fell on the floor and is crying for his mom. The reason that happened is because in that moment, I was like, holy crap, this is the last five years of my life. This is what I've been going through. And now I can finally understand why it is that I've been going through it. And I can try to adjust my own personality and who I am to cause myself that shock rather than wait for it to happen naturally. So I can start fixing myself in a sense. And that's the beauty of movies. Yeah. So personally, that's why I related to it so much. Like it just, yeah. I'm just cheesy and romantic. (laughs) That's why I liked it the first time because I like, I like romance movies. I'm just, I'm a sucker for it. Am I wrong about thinking, not thinking this as a romance film necessarily? Well, a lot of people call it a romance movie because it's about a relationship yeah. i the first time maybe even the first couple of times that i watched it i was on the same boat with you okay. like it's a bittersweet movie why didn't they up together like all of these things um maybe you know give it some time to simmer like a good wine mm-hmm. um, <laughs> oh, that's actually I a very common a misconception you're not supposed to let it <laughs> I know, whore. But that's the expression, okay? Don't come, don't come into our movie podcast and try to tell us about your cooking shit, okay? That's a different podcast. Also, I, I just want to make a tiny little note on that one. If you guys ever do an episode on Chef or other cooking movies, mm. please include me. Dude, Agat doesn't like Chef. What? I know. Wait, hold on, that's the what show or the movie? The the show? I love the show. Okay, no, he likes I the show. I can understand why you don't like the movie, yes whatever it's, the movie's amazing it's actually more of a like it's way too focused on the cooking not enough focused on the plot line and at the same time it works the other way around it's too focused on the plot line and not enough on the cooking like there is no it's actually not a good movie like i wouldn't rate it as a good movie from like a, from a filmmaker's point of view i would yes. not say it's a good movie yes. from a cook's point of view it's mm-hmm. a fucking amazing movie 100 i love the movie like I don't cook. I think I think John Favreau <laughs> is overrated as an actor. As an actor, anywho, ah, no one even. I mean, <laughs> okay, okay, we're, we're getting into the other episode it, that I want to be involved with. <laughs> when you whatever. Do it. Uh, <laughs> okay. Alrighty. So with that, this cup of coffee is over, and this conversation is over. Thank you so much for joining us, Alexis. Uh, we hope you had. Thank fun. you for having me. It's been a I pleasure. Did. Thank you. All right. You can outro us. All righty, righty, right. Let's make sure that you, you listening. Yes, I'm talking to you. Click that subscribe button. Click that follow button, whatever you have in front of you. And you will be notified when we uh, release another lovely episode talking about movies and drinking coffee. Also, of course, um, follow us on Letterboxd. Me and Mauer on Letterboxd. Alexis, do you want to give a shameful shout out to yourself your own social whatever tickles you funny no i'm good okay fair enough thank you though wow (laughs) no shame um oh i i do want to say um you know i didn't used to understand it before but now i get it you guys 
the listeners giving this a five star or giving it a thumbs up um, really helps us out. It actually has to do with algorithms and popularity and all the stuff that includes us being attention-seeking horse. So, you know, if you're already subscribed and if you enjoyed this episode, give it a five star, give it a thumbs up. That's really nice of you guys. It, it really helps us out. Leave a comment of what movie we should review next. Well, that'd be fun. Yeah, sure. You guys can choose. Sure. Why not? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we'll listen. Maybe we won't. We'll see how it goes. Alrighty. Mm. Bye. Adios. Thank you.